us for hope. We are not the kind children of this new age. We are the rocks of its foundation. If you wish hope, then look to what we make. If you wish kindness, then look to those who will come after us. Rogel Dorn, addressed to the 300 magistrates of Terra. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Lost Transmissions, a Battlefleet Gothic podcast set in the Age of Darkness. I am here with our Huskarl, uh, Austin. And I find today, that term offensive. Well, you were Jarl last turn. You were Warsmith the episode before that. Just Or were you? Whatever you were. Matt, Whatever I it was. It doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Yeah, so we're talking Imperial Fist today, and then we'll get to talking about the Imperial Fist's favorite things, defenses. But Yay. I'm offended by the term Huskarl because that's like a... That should be a space wolf term, and there's absolutely no reason why anybody else should have it. They're not space vikings. This is ridiculous. <clears throat> well, all right. <laughs> that's been your. That's been what's. That's been what's grinding Austin's gears. Uh, so we'll get into the meat. <laughs> we'll get into the meat of it. Uh, I got a couple of things to talk about for the Imperial Fists. So. Bolstered by powerful defensive tactics, the Imperial Fists are the Praetors of Terra and enjoy the latest and powerful weapons from Mars to better aid them in that endeavor. Their Gloriana is the Eternal Crusader, and they have access to the powerful star fortress, the Phalanx. Their special rule is called Solar Defenders. Due as much to Dorne's mind for defensive tactics as their solemn charge, the Imperial Fists are experts in grinding down their enemies against stalwart defenses and punishing counterattacks. So this is a two-part rule. The first is that for one in every three capital ships, one Astarte's capital ship with eight or more hull points and a six-up prow may exchange strength six or less prow torpedoes for a Nova Cannon for 20 points or strength seven and nine torpedoes for 10 points. So they are one of the only uh, two legions, the other being the Iron Warriors, that can take Nova Cannons. And we're not going to get a whole bunch into Nova Cannons again, just because we've done it. This will be the third time we've talked about them. Um, but they're the they're the big, powerful shipborne artillery. You roll the scatter die uh, with a little template, and they blow stuff up. If you want to listen to more about them, you can listen to our Iron Warriors episode or our Weapon Systems episode. Uh, but the other thing that Imperial Fists do is that vessels with a Stardace cruise that are a beam of an enemy weapon that uses the gunnery table forces that vessel to subtract their number of shots by one to a minimum of one when firing once per turn. Uh, this kind of simulates the Imperial Fists were, were the, the guys for naval warfare as far as uh, documents proclaim. Uh, they had the biggest fleet, they were the best at it, uh, it was their specialty, was boarding other ships and doing cool stuff with theirs. So we thought kind of, uh, well, 
defensively, you know, maybe if they got a nice little uh, trick against gunnery, then that would keep them a little bit safer while they close in and do their stuff. Um, so functionally, what this means is that when you are firing at an Imperial Fist ship, and that ship and your weapon is perpendicular to it, you know, you're seeing the lengthways of the ship, it's a beam of you, and you go into your gunnery table and you look at all that, um, say you're firing and you get six shots. Well, if you're firing at an Imperial Fist cruiser, that goes down to five. Um, but it does have a minimum, like it cuts off at one. So even if you are taking pot shots at them and you've only got that one shot to roll, you still get that one shot. They're not uh, they're not just ignoring fly, swatter, uh, fly swats. It's kind of yeah, mostly meant we, to help them protect against the punishment as it comes in. Yeah, we, we designed it as, like you said, just when the big, the big blow lands, it's not quite as impressive as you thought it was going to be. Uh, because they're Imperial Fists, man. They're they're meant to stand up and take it. And how they do. So, um, yeah, they're... Man, now that we're not talking about Nova Cannon again with them, right? There's not much, <laughs> it doesn't seem like there's much going on. But like that, that Nova Cannon, the ability to take Nova Cannons is huge. But like Stephen said, we've talked about it. It feels like we're beating a dead horse at this point. Nova yep. Cannon, they're great. They'll make you have a bad time. Yep. Um, the... I was going to say something, then I got distracted. Uh, I'm going to put my phone over there. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's good times to be an Imperial Fist if your if your opponent likes weapons batteries. Not so much with the lances though. Doesn't help them with lances. No, harder uh, to oh. dodge large lasers. Mm-hmm. And it does only work once per turn. So presumably, once one ship has uh, fired, has got its firing solution, and shot its load into the void and found that they didn't hit what they thought they were going to hit, that information is disseminated through other elements of the fleet. Everybody's kind of getting locked in, mm-hmm. at least until the fists move again. Although it does make fists really good in one-on-one situations, because, you know, there's only one ship shooting at you. They're probably mm-hmm. only going to fire one weapon that uses the gunnery table, and you'll be better at it than them, which is always yeah. fun. Ultimately, it makes fists a, a fairly versatile... Legion, when it comes to selecting what kind of ships you want to put in them. Uh, the quote-unquote chaos ships, stuff like the Murder, the Slaughter, the Hades, are real good one-on-one duelists. They'll probably outshoot any other single ship um, that they come across. So the Fists can kind of... The downside being to that is that they're by themselves. Um, if they take the damage, they don't have a squadron mate to kind of pass some of that off onto. Um but with fists, it doesn't matter quite as much. It's not to say that your murder is suddenly just this super tank, but it is slightly tankier than it was before. Um, by the same thing, or by the same token, it makes squadron ships, the, the venerable lunar and gothic combo, that much harder to break apart. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it good also, times for the fists. It also is a bonus for those people that just like to turn broadside and duke it out. Because um, mm-hmm. normally... Which is where a lot of one-on-one fights happen. Yeah. Normally, when you're trying to get, like, really good positioning, right? It's still important for fists to, you know, fire on the enemy at the opportune moment. But if you do get caught out 
doing those sorts of maneuvers, generally you're just a beam of your opponent. So it makes him a little bit more forgiving uh, in that aspect, which mm-hmm. I think like lends itself to them being kind of a space naval combat uh, specialist. Mm-hmm. The Phalanx Warders are coming, so are the Templars. Mm-hmm. Speaking of the Templars, uh, the Imperial Fists Gloriana. Uh, now, interestingly enough, the Eternal Crusader, clocking in at 500 points, is among the quote-unquote boring Gloriana, because it doesn't actually have any special rules to go along with it, like um, the other ones do. It has more launch bays, so it's a battle barge. We'll start there. It's a battle barge with one extra hull point. So it's 13 hull points, uh, 20 centimeters of speed, 45 turns, 3 shields, 6 of armor, 4 turrets. Uh, 12 weapons batteries on the port and starboard sides, firing at 45 centimeters. It has, this is the, the heavy part, it has three launch bays, one on the prow, one on the starboard side, one on the port side, and all of them can launch three squadrons of Thunderhawks or Thunderhawk Annihilators, um, which is where the Eternal Crusader starts to shine, is that all of the real combat-happy Imperial Fists are riding on that ship, and they're coming to get you. And it is a real bad time. Uh-huh. Uh, yep. It has could... proud torpedoes. It has dorsal bombardment cannons as well. Yeah. But one, once you start throwing out like a wave of nine Thunderhawks, I mean, granted, there's a chance that you roll that unlucky one, and the whole wave just goes away. Uh, but if you jump on another capital ship with that, you've essentially taken out every weapon system they have. Yep. Probably started a couple of fires and, you know, Dorn, what, twirling his mustache? He doesn't seem like a laugher to me, but certainly <laughs> he is well pleased. with stern, just stern uh, uh, approval. Yeah, there, there's yeah. an approving glint in his eye uh, as wow. the other ship just sort of turns off for a while. Yep, just, uh, you see that ship? Yes, Lord Dorn. I do not wish to. Oh. <laughs> yep. And if you're playing narrative, uh, the Eternal Crusader just gets even worse or better. Because now, instead of three squadrons of each, it's six squadrons. It's just dumping 18 yep. Thunderhawks on anything in 20 centimeters. It, it can essentially cripple three enemy cruisers with attack craft alone. Not yep. counting its frankly ridiculous amount of firepower that it's throwing out 25 yep at that point it's 25 weapons batteries uh 16 bombardment cannons six or 12 prow torpedoes yeah, she's a big girl thing. if if you decide man i really don't want to deal with those thunderhawks let's shoot some turrets at it then you can eat 12 torpedoes because yep. that's always fun. yeah the eternal crusader is uh 500 points but that's not why you're playing Imperial Fists. You're not playing Imperial Fists for the Eternal Crusader. You're playing Imperial Fists for the Phalanx, which clocks in as the most expensive Gloriana equivalent at 1,038 points. Now we're going to get into uh, the, the, the more finer details of a Ramillies-class Starfort a little bit later in the episode. Uh, but the Phalanx counts as a Ramillies Star Class or Ramillies Starfort that follows all the rules for a Gloriana battleship. Uh, 
It increases the turret, shield, and hull point value of each quadrant by one. So it's each quadrant is 13 hull points, five shields, five turrets. And the Basilica batteries that the center of the fort uses includes bombardment cannons at firepower 8, 45 centimeters. Uh, if you're using narrative Glorianas, then you double these values. So that's a firepower 16 bombardment cannon. That is 10 shields, 10 turrets per quadrant with 26 hull points each. I don't know how you're going to manage to put the phalanx in a game at that point, but it's going to be pretty cool when you do. Yeah, you did ask for it. Uh, uh-huh. <laughs> you did ask for presumably it. Presumably which... there'll be some fun Siege of Terra nonsense uh, with mm-hmm. the phalanx at some point. Uh, so, you know, you get a refight on it. Yep. Which, uh, you know, we told we said that we were going to go under, over more of the Narrative Gloriana rules, so this seems like a good time to mention one of them. Uh, it's called Labyrinth Vastness. So huge are Glorianas that boarding actions against them must be carefully planned and must always be conducted by excessively huge numbers of soldiers. So it requires two assault boats, or assault boat equivalents, to conduct a hit-and-run attack on a Gloriana, or in this case, the Phalanx. Uh, because I, I gotta gotta disagree with you there, boss. The Ramelies has its own rule. That does it. It has a crew of millions, and because of the vast amount of troops that would be required to do anything to it, it cannot be boarded by ships. Ah, boarded or made a hit and run attacks against. Uh, boarded. Actually, you're right. You can still hit and run it, uh, one yep. quadrant at a time. Yeah, but uh. Good luck boarding it. No, yeah, you can't take it out the old-fashioned way. Yeah, that's not going to work. World eaters, sad at all. Womp womp. Stupid racist Ramelies. Yeah, they don't Uh, like Russians. (laughs) So uh, we'll get more into the Ramelies in a little bit. Uh, What else about the Phalanx? In campaigns, the Phalanx cannot be lost to the warp when moving between systems. So that's nice, considering it's over. A thousand points. It's got space tugs, man. Space tugs. It's probably being tugged by by battleship sized space tugs. I mean, space tugs might be battleship sized. I don't know. Uh, traditionally, tugs are actually kind of small because you yeah, want but this the is biggest the possible engine on the smallest possible ship, so you can you know pull more with it. Yeah, but this is the Imperium, and doing things small or efficiently isn't really like their thing i mean that's true why why be efficient when you can just throw another trillion people at it that's right why be efficient when you can be big mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that's kind of really all there is for the imperial fists they're a pretty um pretty simple legion which belies how hard it was to write rules for them yeah true story trying to combine something when because if, if this was, you know, 30k, you just say, all right, well, give them something good for fortifications or when they're the defender, and that's the end of that. But the Imperial Fists are supposed to be the preeminent void combat legion. So, like, trying to combine those two traits into, like, one rule that would work both ways, it, it was a pain. Hopefully yeah, balancing we did it to hard. your satisfaction. Yep. Unless you're Jared, at which point... Ha! <laughs> Suck it, fist boy. Uh, 
terrible. So we're going to talk about something different now. Yeah, now for something, well, not completely different, but... But different-ish. Something we haven't talked about before. Planetary defenses. Yay. Yay! So, planetary defenses, as I'm sure you could figure out on on your own, are things that aren't part of your fleet normally. Uh, they are whatever the planet has for its own defense, not part of your fleet in the slightest, uh, and only come into effect uh, when you're doing specific missions like planetary assault or exterminatus. Uh, and generally speaking, they're random. Uh, for example, if I can get this in planetary assault, you get an extra amount of dice or an extra amount of points, which are randomly rolled. So it's, what is it? Lose my mind. Ah, there it is. This it's an extra D six times 10 points of planetary defenses for every 500 points or part thereof of the fleet. So you never yeah. quite know what you're going to get when you say, Hey, yeah, let's play a planetary assault mission. Cause you could get, you know, in a 1500 point game, a lot of extra points. Math is hard. Uh, what? 180, 180 points? Is that how my math works out? For what? Right, 6, 18, 10. Yeah. So if you're playing a 1500 point planetary assault mission, you could get anywhere from 30 to 180 extra points to spend on planetary defenses. And planetary defenses come in kind of, I guess, three... Uh, different types of thing. Well, really, it's two that are further broken down into others. You have high orbit and you have low orbit. Oh, um, and I, by the I way, was we going are a completely on... different way with that. Uh, oh. But yeah, so we're on page uh, 140. We are on page 140, yeah. Yeah. Um, you have your platforms and space stations, right, which are sort of the immobile but crude things. Uh, you have the various types of mines, and then you have the system defense ships. Uh, and then, like Steven said, there is also low orbit. Uh, for things that are in high orbit, you have to put, for the most part... Well, let me back up there. For high orbit defenses, you must place them in the gravity well of the planet, right? So, because that's just, you know... If you have a space station that's just sitting out in the middle of space, the enemy's just going to go around it, right? Nobody's going to pay however much money it is to put an orbital defense laser platform in the void where it's not actually going to be an effective deterrent, right? So they got to be yep. in the planet or a moon's gravity well. So you can get them kind of out more from the planet you're defending in a planetary defense scenario by putting them in the moon's gravity well, but generally they're right around the planet as sort of the last ditch defenses. Yeah. You're probably not going to uh, get any ship kills with orbital defense platforms, but you will be able to soften them up while your, uh, your, your ships finally swoop in and finish off those uh, exterminator ships or heavy transports, or what have you. Yeah. Uh, so, like we said, there's three different types of plant of platforms. 
they're all defense one, and defenses, remember, are always hit as far, or you always go as far left as you can go on the gunnery table when you're shooting at them. So they're going to take a lot of punishment and won't last long. Uh, their defense one, they have one shield, six up armor, and two turrets. Uh, so they're a little resilient against attack craft, just because for something with only one hull point, uh, they have a good amount of turrets. And they're all 30 points each. Uh, now, the lance battery is, for you know 30 points, uh, you get two 30-centimeter lances with an all-around arc. Should answer all of these are all round for their arc, uh, mm-hmm. which is pretty good. You know, like you spend 60 points and suddenly you've got the equivalent of a gothic's amount of firepower uh, sitting there ready to shoot somebody. Just mm-hmm. hanging out. Yeah. The downside is that it's 30 centimeters and defenses. So the odds of you actually getting to shoot those lances. Eh, But hey, every turn that someone spends firing at your six-up armor, one-hit, one-shield platform is a turn that they did not spend firing at your ships. Exactly. Exactly. And while Steven said you're not going to get many kills with your platforms, if you're going to get kills, this is one that actually, in my experience, does the work. Because it does tend to be ignored in the early engagements because it's only 30 centimeters. Like, what are the odds? Um, but inevitably, when the enemy fleet slips through to some extent, your defending fleet, whatever does get through is normally kind of beat the crap. Mm-hmm. Uh, so being able to throw a couple of lances at it sometimes is all you need. And typically lances are, at least where, where they're concerned on ships, lances end up being more expensive weapons, but all of the, plat- all the weapons platforms are 30 points each. Um, so you're getting lance efficiency for the same price that you're getting weapons battery volume or mm-hmm. torpedo distance. Yeah. Yeah, they all have a good trade-off. I can't really say that I... Like, there's one that, well, well, if you only, like, you just got to take this one. They all have their, their role. Uh, the next on the list is the orbital torpedo launcher, which is fun in that... For 30 points, you get a firepower or a strength 6 torpedo salvo. Uh, there is a downside, though. And that downside is planetary defenses aren't that bright, right? Like, yeah, they're not the most experienced down. crews. They're not the hardest working. Like, they can't brace for impact. Um, and they can only reload ordnance. And they have a leadership of 7, period. Yep. So, like, six torpedoes is great, uh, and if, you know, for these planetary assault missions, the enemy's coming down the long table edge, so it takes a while to get there, uh, but you got to kind of roll the dice on, well, how many shots am I actually going to be able to get with these torpedoes? Whoop. Sorry, I just had a kitten jump at me and <laughs> faceplant into my foot and then promptly dig into my leg to not fall off. Good job, buddy. She's a, she's a smart kid. Ah. But yeah, good luck getting more than one salvo off with those orbital torpedo launchers. Uh, you might. You might. Yeah, like you're probably, probably going to get a couple over the course of the battle. 
but it can't be relied upon as much as you would like, especially when, you know, things start going south and there's a couple of Emperor's children around and suddenly Oops. everyone's having a bad time. Yep. And uh, remember remember the strategy when it comes to passing orders, you want to go highest to lowest. So while the temptation, if something happens, you know, and there's a target that's kind of weakened already and it's right there in that 30 centimeter slot, but you need to pass reload ordinance first, do not try reload ordinance first on a torpedo launcher. You're, yeah, there's almost there's always going to be a to fail. <laughs> there's always a better a better first order, uh, which is the other thing you got to think about. Like, yeah, seven is not terrible leadership. It's not the end of the world leadership. It might even be an eight because the other guy's going to be on orders an awful lot. But it's probably way down your list of priorities to do an order on. So, a good amount of the time you failed somewhere else before it even comes time to, to chance that seven. Mm-hmm. Now, the last type of weapons platform is the orbital weapons platform. It's got nothing but weapons batteries, and it sounds real good. A 60-centimeter strength 6 weapons battery that fires all around. Uh, this is a little deceptive for a couple of reasons. One, yeah, 60 centimeters is great, uh, but that is way out there, and you're always going to get that right shift. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's never quite as good as you want it to be. Uh, the other problem is the enemy knows this. <laughs> like, if you have a couple of weapons platforms and you go, aha, I can throw out 18 weapons battery at 60 centimeter, the enemy goes, really? I'm going to fire a torpedo salvo at them. And uh, they're just going to die because they can't get out of the way. Or, you know, hey, I'm going to just lance them at 60 centimeters right back. See how you like that, nerd. Oops, your platform fell out of the sky. Not only is everyone on it dead, but everyone on the continent underneath it is dead. Say it with me. Extinction level event. <laughs> so it's, it's kind of interesting because the, the weapons platform is certainly most reliably going to be shooting at things and potentially doing damage. But the very fact that it is, is going to make it more of a target. Uh, whereas the other ones can kind of surprise people. So you, you get a trade off. Yeah. And again, if a opponent is chucking weapons, battery fire or lances or torpedoes at your 30 point platform, then that's weapons fire that isn't going into your 200-point battleship. Yeah, it, it's sort of how... It, it's an admiral's choice, right? Do you want your weapons platforms to be kind of drawing fire early on and being the things that are killed first? Or do you want your weapons platforms to be sort of ignored until that transport limps into range and you annihilate it, which means you don't have to pay as much attention to what your fleet is doing as far as guarding the planet, and they can concentrate more on annihilating the enemy. It's fun all over. Yep. Unless you're on the receiving end. Then it's not fun. Then it can be less fun. Yep. Yep. Uh, That being said, though, what Austin said is right. Uh, Transports. These things love shooting at transports. Mm -hmm. Because transports are weak enough for them to actually just kill in a single salvo. Yeah. 
it's fun. And, you know, generally speaking, while some of these bigger stuff, like once we get talking about like space stations and whatnot, there are going to be games you play where you just can't afford them without digging into your actual fleet list. Because uh, most of these, while you get that random amount of points on planetary defenses, uh, you can normally spend, I think, up to a quarter of your agreed-upon fleet points on these defenses. Uh, I almost never do. Uh, sometimes, you know, I might throw like five or ten points at it if I'm, you know, just a little short of whatever the next cool thing is. Uh, but for the most part, you want to let whatever your free bonuses are be what you spend on planetary defenses. But there is some fun stuff you can get for cheap if you do happen to roll real low. And mm, the cheapest possible thing mines. is an orbital mine. And these are quite possibly the most annoying weapon system in Battlefleet Gothic. So they're five points each. They're a single uh, 20 centimeter square thing. And the rules are thus. The orbital mine moves 10 centimeters toward the nearest enemy ship in each ordnance phase. If it moves into contact with the base of an enemy ship, it detonates and rolls eight dice to hit the target vessel. Uh, the target vessel may fire its turrets normally, and if the mine is hit, uh, it rolls four dice instead of eight. Uh, it's treated as any other ordnance for the purposes of movement, blast markers, and being shot at. Um, Which means and, they go through shields. Yep, and they can only be intercepted by fighters. Uh, it's real rough. <laughs> Because uh, they just kind of float at you. And at first, when I like the first couple of times I played against them, I was like, oh, 10 centimeters towards the nearest enemy ship in each ordnance phase? Who cares? It'll take you forever to get there. Uh, but 20 centimeters a turn does add up. <laughs> While the enemy is moving closer to you at the same time. Yeah. And what I find happens a lot is the enemy spends some early turns shooting at your mines. Uh, because having eight dice under your shield, or even four dice if you fire turrets at it, is no bueno. Uh, oh, also, I should caveat that when firing turrets at orbital mines, that's the same bracket as firing at torpedoes, right? So if you're firing at orbital mines, you're not firing at the attack craft that are coming in action. Mm -hmm. Which is always a gamble. Uh, but I like them a lot. It's also reliable as far as stuff goes, because the, the firepower isn't reduced by the enemy's turrets like bombers are. It's not random like bombers are. Um, it's just, hey, it's either four shots or eight shots. Come at me. And all for five points. No, they are surprisingly dangerous. Yeah. And that's just one mine. That's a single mm -hmm. orbital mine kind of going and doing its thing. For 40 Sometimes, points, you, know, you can buy you know, a straight-up minefield. When a daddy mine and a mommy mine love each other very much, they breathe get like a minefield. I also really yep. enjoy the, the art in the Battlefleet Gothic book for a minefield. Is like It's got some free-floating mines, but also mines that are like chained to asteroids, which is wild. Like, what, what are you doing there? I don't understand, but it's cool. Uh, so, these have... Uh, a different deployment setup than the other things we've talked about 
their high orbit, but don't necessarily have to go around the planet. Uh, it's a, a minefield is 3d5 by 3d5 centimeters, kind of square rectangle sort of thing, and must be placed with, an, with one edge within 15 centimeters of a tabletop feature. Uh, and it blocks line of sight. In the ordnance phase, roll a die for each enemy ship within 30 centimeters of the edge of the minefield. On a fiber ship, the ship has been detected. Uh, you add one if it's on all head full, minus one on burn retros. For each ship detected, you may place D3 orbital mines anywhere in contact with the edge of the minefield. Uh, and at that point, they're just the same five-point orbital mines we talked about before. Uh, the fun thing is you can actually suppress a minefield by shooting into it, uh, which screws up the mine, the mines tracking, you know, blows up a bunch of stuff. It's fun. Uh, a minefield is fired at like an ordnance marker, but has an armor value of six. So it's real hard to actually accomplish, but each hit puts, lets you put a blast marker in contact with a minefield. Uh, and if it has a minefield or it has a blast marker in contact, Minus one from any die rolls to detect ships. So you put a couple of blast markers on it, it can't detect ships. Which is fun. And in the end phase, each minefield loses D6 blast markers, which don't count towards the number you like normally would remove in the end phase. And here's what makes minefields special compared to just, well, really any other uh, planetary defense, is that they are immortal. You cannot destroy them. If you want to keep suppressing mines, you have to keep dedicating firepower to them. Yep, every turn. And it doesn't, like I said, it doesn't always work out, right? They're always set on sixes, so lances are never a good bet. But they're always fired at like fighters, so even you know a strength, a firepower 20 weapons battery salvo rolls four dice, of which you need a fire, you need, you know, a six to a do six. any damage. Nope. Yep. Uh, the downside, of course, is that they have a relatively small engagement window. Uh, with that 30 centimeter range, they're not moving anywhere. Uh, so if you put them out, like near a, a nebula, a gas field, or an asteroid field, or whatever, uh, they can kind of be moved around and ignored. Uh, but they are real rough if you yep. can put if you can force your enemy to come close. Yep, if you can force a bottleneck on them, you know, by uh, placing down asteroid fields or, or nebulas or what mm -hmm. have you, and the enemy has to come within that thirty centimeters. Well, there's a good chance they're going to take some hits from those mines. Yeah, because again, each ship detected. You place D3 orbital mines in contact with the edge of your minefield, and then they just go off to do mine things. So, yep. for example, if, let's say I'm trying to rush right past a minefield because, you know, damn it, that's the way I've got to do this. It's the way I want to do it. And I've got a cruiser within 10 centimeters of the minefield. It's a bold strategy, and this time it won't pay off. So I've got the one within 10, and I've got three other ships or escort squadrons within 30 of the minefield, right? Could be on the opposite side, whatever. And let's say three of those ships get detected. 
all those mines could hit that one cruiser. Because you could place them within 10, you know, touching the edge. So they're within 10 centimeters of that cruiser that's real close. They all move 10 centimeters towards the closest ship, not the one that, like, triggered the mine deployment. And then that ship takes all that damage. Stand by. So it can get real atrocious real quick with a minefield. So yeah, that's... Well, actually, let's keep going with the static defenses. Or do you want to go into the, the fun ships you can buy? Uh, what else have we got for static? Oh, stations. Yeah, all the okay, fun yeah. space stations. Well, uh... uh if we talk about space stations, then the the big daddy of all space stations is the very end. So we may as well do uh, the the floaty. All right. Things, so we'll just keep we'll just keep going through the way they're presented in the book. Yep. Uh, next up is fire ships. Fire ships are ten points each. Uh, they're oh, escorts. Which is criminally cheap. <laughs> Fifteen centimeter speed. One shield. One turret. Five up armor. Now fire ships aren't a specific class of ship. They're really any sort of decommissioned, like old warships, merchant transports, other stuff that otherwise wouldn't really be flying around. Uh, except for when you want to pack it full of explosives and plasma and put a couple of servitors or if you're feeling spiteful actual living crewmen, fly it at the enemy fleet and when you get close enough, blow it up. Uh, which is hilarious it's it's rude is what it is <laughs> it's real rude so what you can do is at any point in the movement phase the controlling player can detonate their fire ship which inflicts d3 fire critical hits on every ship within 3d6 centimeters uh, that's an automatic infliction too it's not like a ones that hit inflict critical and it's not it's like your shield or it's not like, hey, shields can blast it. No, it ignored shields. So this is a great way to just massacre escort squadrons. Uh-huh, because uh, it's a critical hit. Ordnance markers also automatically destroyed. Uh, and then you remove the detonated fire ship and put a blast marker in its place. Words cannot express how hilarious these are. Oh, they're, they're never so going good. anywhere quickly uh, because, you know, Leadership 7, you're not, like, just... You're never going to really get the chance to all ahead fold them most of the time. Uh, they're only 15 centimeters, but oh boy, you can see Steven's reaction. If you put one of these on the table, it's going to get shot at. Yeah. And uh, they're ten po- like they're so cheap. For the same cost of an orbital weapons platform, you could have three of these things, <laughs> which are fun. The downside, of course, compared to an orbital weapons platform, is that. 3d6 centimeters is a random distance, and uh, your ships can also get hit by this, which is real uh-huh. bad. Yeah, there is that. Uh, yeah. yeah, and, it's and fire they critical will hits. attract firepower. Yeah, it's fire critical hits, which are dangerous in the long run, but if this is kind of the first damage you do to an enemy, he's probably going to put out the fires before anything real bad happens. But what I like doing with fire ships... Uh, is putting them behind, like, a moon. Oh, yeah. In the gravity well, so they don't have to move at all. Uh, and you just keep them out of line of sight until the enemy gets close enough. And then the fire ship just sort of floats Drift. on out. <laughs> Drifts out. Hey, buddy. Just poof. 
Do you want to be friends? No, 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 no! And it's a bright white light in the sky, followed by screaming, followed by silence. Well, static, then silence. That's true. Yes. Uh, now... But, God, they're so much fun. I love they, them so much. They are a lot of fun. Uh, and then, so... T- ten points. I mean, for God's sake. Would you like a shout-out on our podcast? Maybe discounts on our Teespring store? Maybe you'd like to vote for upcoming Heresy Grad School topics? Hang out in a private Discord server? Or maybe even just getting a fun podcast sticker? If you're interested in any of that, consider becoming a patron. Patreon funds help for server costs and allow us to make cool content for you to enjoy. Patronage also helps us pay for projects such as our Nova Open Charitable Foundation Army, The Honored. An Ultramarine Zone Metallus Force will be up for charity raffle coming this year. If you're interested in getting in on the action, consider becoming a patron today at patreon.com forward slash rr30k podcast. Thank you. This month's podcasts have been made with generous support from our patrons, starting with our Praetor tier Alex Selth, Nicholas Quenga, Jacob Dillon, Matthew Boyce, Josh Phillips, Mr. Baldwick, Gardner.Tree of Woe, Joe from Music City Heresy, and Chris Mack. Our Legion Centurion tier, we have Scott LeMay, Andrew N., Black Label Painting, Minis by Applesauce, Angry Boy, John Christensen, Mark Henry, and M. Hernandez. In our Sergeant tier, we have Aaron Maynard, Garrett Lowe, Travis Smith, Duncan, and Emily O'Hare. Thanks again. Uh, So, for 20 points, next up on the list are the system ships. Uh, System ships are really kind of a weird beast. Uh, These people know what they're doing. Uh, sort of, kind of. So, they're the they're the space equivalent of the planetary defense force, right? Uh, they're the system defense force uh, in most of 40k. I don't think they actually have a term in 30k besides just like whatever militia, right? This would be part of the planetary militia, just space. Uh, and they're generally not great. They're not warp capable. Uh, they're generally, you know, the civilian crews that don't really have a lot of experience in combat. It's not really good at it. Uh, they definitely get the third-rate weapon systems and engines because you put the good stuff on warp-capable ships. And they're not real fast and uh, just not fantastic. So they're defenses. They're one-hole-point defenses. So... They don't have the survivability rate of escorts who are hard to hit with weapons batteries in the slightest. Uh, 15 centimeter speed, 45 degree turn, uh, which is again. Yeah, most a little, escorts have 90, a little and weird. Uh, these guys aren't. Uh, one shield, five up armor. They have 30 centimeter weapons battery with a firepower of or strength of three, which isn't bad. Uh, and again, like you can squadron these up, which is fun. So that's compared. So they're 15 points cheaper uh, than the sword, which is like the Imperial Navy weapons battery escort. So, you know, it's not a bad deal for 20 points. Uh, or 10 points cheaper than the Iconoclast, which is the, the Chaos variety. So not terrible. Yeah. But not great. If you've got 20 points to spare at the after you've calculated all of your planetary defenses, you could get a system ship. And it might do some work. Or yeah. you can buy two more fire ships. 
or you can buy two more fire ships, which are one trick ponies, right? The, mm-hmm. the comparative is, Hey, a system ship will be able to fire at more than one thing before it gets destroyed. Hopefully it's also certainly much lower on people's threat radar than a fire ship. Like, fire ship going to get shot at system ship. Eh? Yeah. Uh, but then we come to my personal favorite of all of the things here uh, for doing actual work. Like mines are hilarious, fire ships are hilarious, but a defense monitor. These things are real nasty. Uh, they're 60 points, and they're, again, they're not warp capable, uh, but they tend to be a better class of ship than the system ships, right? They're crewed by people that actually know what they're doing. And instead of, you know, all that energy and stuff and space in the ship devoted to warp drives and all all of that, they devote all of that power to weapons. So they're an escort, one hit, 10 centimeter speed, 45 degree turns. That sounds real bad uh, for a 60 point ship. However, they have two shields and six up armor and two turrets, which makes them surprisingly durable. Uh, it's been sort of funny the amount of times that I've seen a defense monitor just sort of shrug off shots that I was certain was going to kill it. Uh, this is certainly something you want to engage with a bunch of lances, but it's got two shields and a hull point, so just like one gothic isn't going to kill it. Just yeah. on, on the face of it. And again, if you dedicate that much firepower to killing one or two defense monitors, then... Congratulations, you saw it at a 60-point escort. But there's a reason you want to dedicate that much power to a defense monitor. That's because they have a 30-centimeter strength 8 weapons battery, left, front, right, and uh, one 30-centimeter lance out the front. These things are nasty. Like, that's cruiser-level firepower. They'll outgun any light cruiser uh, that happens to have the misfortune to get in front of them within 30 centimeters. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is great. Again, they're real slow. They're ungainly. They're still defenses, so the only thing they could theoretically do an order on is reload ordnance. So, like, they're not bracing. They're not locking on. Um, but it's hilarious. And these, these are great for planetary assault scenarios, especially... Uh, because it's transports, you know, that you don't really want to fire at with your fleet because you want to try and stop the enemy's actual, you know, fighting ships. Oh, but shit, now the transports are through. That's where the defense monitor comes in. Because a transport yep. has, you know, one shield, one hull point, and five up armor. Which just Tooting isn't as going hard to as it last. Can. Yeah, like, it just, just isn't no, going we're gonna to get you. To eight weapons battery and a lance. So they're a lot of fun. Uh, So now we get to the bigger things. Mm -hmm. Uh, They're not just a weapons platform with like 100 guys on it and some missiles. These are the full-on space stations. Uh, Firstly, They go go up in like degrees as well. Yeah. Starting from the the lowest, the, the humble orbital dock. Yeah. So this isn't actually... Oh, damn. Kitten claws. Uh, So these aren't actually like defensive space station sort of things. They're more 
we do repairs, we do resupply, uh, and we've got a little thing to keep us from being attacked by pirates. Uh, their defense, like all of them, they have six hull point, two shield, five up armor, and three turrets. Uh, they have a 30 centimeter strength four weapons battery, but what really makes them shine is that they've got four squadrons worth of launch bays for fighters and bombers. Yeah, uh-huh. even most heavy carriers, like per yeah. launch pay, bay, don't have that kind of ordinance. Yeah, so for uh, 90 points... The only points, reason they can match that is because they have multiple bays. Yeah, so for 90 points, you get, you know, a dictator's equivalent of attack craft, which is real fun. Uh, I gotta admit, the weapons battery, firepower 4, eh. eh. But again, these have to be put in the gravity well of the planet, so it's sort of a last-ditch firepower to try and bring down that transport or, you know, the last shield off an exterminata ship or something like that. It's not the end of the world, you know? But you're really bringing it for the squadrons. Uh, and yep. then... I'm in four of them. Again, four of them is a lot. If you dump four bombers onto a... They're, they're going to destroy one bomber will destroy a transport. Four bombers has a pretty good chance of killing a cruiser. Yeah, it's it's a good strike wing, and it's a lot of fun. Uh, next up in size is the space station, and these are kind of a whole bunch of things, right? These are more your military shipyards, which are you know meant to be at harm's way, or a naval base, uh, or even, you know, some old night station that's been hanging around with some fun stuff in it. Uh, these are meant for fighting people. Uh, it's got two more hull points in orbital dock, so eight. Uh, two shields, five armor, and four turrets. It's got the same four squadron launch bay, uh, but what really shines through is a strength 12 60 centimeter weapons battery and a strength 3 30 centimeter lance battery. Uh, and again, all around, just like uh, the orbital weapons platforms of the orbital dock. That's real rude. <laughs> and even yeah, as a, a space defense, station, a space station has a pretty decent chance of actually stripping shields off of cruiser at range for your for your own fleet to do the damage. Mm-hmm. And then when the enemy, you know, breaks through your fleet cordon uh, and comes up on the station, suddenly that's you know. 12 weapons batteries and three lances, probably firing at closing enemy ships. Uh, so, you know, that's six or eight shots just with the weapons batteries, and you finish that up with three lances. And oh, by the way, it, it has squadrons of attack craft. <laughs> what do you mean there's bombers still coming? It's a fun time. Uh, but it is 150 points. So a lot of games you play where you get free planetary defenses you're not actually going to have the points to be able to take it without dipping into your fleet, you know, pool of points. Mm-hmm. But if you use up most of your budget on a space station and then only have to drop, you know, 30, 40 points off of your actual list, uh, 30, 40 points in Battlefleet Gothic is, you know, it's not a lot. Yeah, it's a Cobra. Uh, it's maybe, yeah, it's one or one or two less escorts. Like, you can live without um, a Cobra, right? Yeah. So, really, if you use up your whole budget on a space station and then, again, take some off of your fleet list, it's it's a fairly cost-effective orbital defense. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Uh, 
Uh, and then, of course, you get the joy, like the orbital dock, of actually building one. Uh, unless you're lucky enough to actually have the, the model somewhere. Yeah, I don't... I've never seen one. I've never even seen one for sale on eBay. Yeah, you see orbital docks every once in a while, or uh, the weapons platforms, but space stations are a hard ask. However, there is a way... Uh, and like I, I don't, I don't think we've ever uh, said, "Hey, go, go buy this company's ships that isn't GW." However, Dropship Commander uh, by Hawk Wargames does a thing called, uh, I think it's just the Space Station set. And yeah, it's like this whole modular kit, isn't it? It is amazing. Uh, it's like fifty bucks, and it comes with. All these sorts of things. Hold on one second. I'm going to try and see if I can. Well, Austin looks for see it. See if I can find the actual name of the thing. Yeah, it's a it's a modular set that he used and he he's bought, and he's built probably three or four little like installations out of the thing, and they all they all look cool. Oh no, you they are all kind of you are wildly <laughs> underselling this kid. Um, so yeah, it's the modular space station pack. Oh, how many called. how many things did you build? So I have built uh-huh. uh, two space station sized things, two things that are bigger than a space station. So if you wanted to have like a Blackstone Fortress equivalent, like not as big as a Ramleys because they're they're massive, um, but probably a good three three or four inches around size space stations. Uh, I've got a dozen weapons platforms off of it. Uh, four lance, four weapon, four torpedo. I've got uh, some listening, what I like to call like listening stations, kind of weapons platform sized things that I didn't put any guns on just for like scenario play. And I've still got enough to make, I think, four or five orbital dock space station sized things still. Uh, and that's all with the kit. That's not, you know... I put Battlefleet Gothic bits on it to make more guns or anything like that. That's just pure modular space station pack. And a lot of these, uh, like, they blend right into the 40K setting. For the most part, the bits are Imperial adjacent, I guess is the best way to put it. Um, They're not kind of smooth lines of a high-tech sci-fi race, um, but they're not quite the squares that the Imperial Navy likes to roll out with. Um, they're just sort of agnostic space station stuff with railguns and weapons and lasers and torpedoes and all sorts of great things. Um, so yeah, while I do dearly love all of the GW weapons platforms and stations and all of that, they are rarer than hen's teeth. Um, and you'll spend, you know, probably more than you'd spend on your fleet getting a good variety of these sorts of things. Or Mm -hmm. you could spend 45 pounds, get all that you'll ever need uh, for scenario play, and just sort of live your best life. Yep. Under no circumstances should you ever look on the internet to find files for printing. They don't exist. I mean, they do. They're not real. But... Yeah, don't don't print copyrighted material. And I say that as a guy with a 3D printer. Like <laughs> if 
if everybody's suddenly like, oh yeah, I printed all of this stuff, look at me go, GW will be like, alright, well, guess we don't need to make that game ever again. No! It's true, it's how they think. Um, but yeah, for for stations, just because like, spending money on terrain is hard, right? Like, we, we for any any game that you play, spending money on terrain is hard because it's not money you're spending on stuff for your army or your fleet. Mm-hmm. Um, but the modular it's doubly hard pack, for these because, you know, there's no guarantee that you're actually going to use them in a game. Yeah, like, oh, hey, look, I finally bought a GW space station. Oh, I rolled up 30 points of planetary defenses. Oh, um, oh no, um, we're playing fleet engagement. Yeah, right? Or, yeah, we're not even playing a scenario that takes defenses. Um, meanwhile, this modular station pack, like, it, it's such a fun kit. There's a million ways to put it all together. Um, I think they actually have the math on it. Um, so yeah, you get 51 different parts on a sprue. You get four of those sprues, um, which isn't even including like stuff like bases and whatnot. Um, it's just so cool. Uh, anyway, that's enough of me fanboying about Drop Fleet Commander defenses. Um, so the next thing we want to talk about isn't strictly heresy. Um, it's heresy adjacent. It's heresy adjacent. It's the Blackstone Fortress. Uh, the Ooh, unactivated ah. Blackstone Fortress. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, for those of you that don't know, the Blackstone Fortresses are in the Gothic sector. There's a half dozen of them. Uh and they're sort of the, the hubs of subsector command uh, for the 12th Black Crusade. Uh, the whole crusade was to get to a couple of Blackstone Fortresses. Abaddon did. Roll credits. A few decades, centuries later, uh, he nukes Cadia with one. Uh, that's a really short way of explaining a very complicated, you know, the whole basis for the original Battlefleet Gothic uh, fluff. Uh, However, these are sort of uber fortresses, right? So your space station is 150 points. A Blackstone fortress is 400, right? They're not screwing around. Uh, There's a good reason for it. 16 hull points, 6 shields, 5 up armors, 6 turrets. Uh, A 60 centimeter firepower 20 weapons battery. 4 60 centimeter lances and launch bays for eight squadrons of attack craft. They are monsters. And these, I think, are really good to represent those sorts of Dark Age things that are always floating around uh, in the background of the Horus Heresy Great Crusade setting, right? Uh, I mean, hell, that's what a Blackstone is. It's some really, really ancient Xenos tech that the Imperium strapped a bunch of guns onto. Yep. That's not a rare trope in the 30k universe. Uh, it happens a lot. And they're real fun. Although, again, at 400 points, uh, you're going to have to dip into your fleet list to, to throw one out there. But boy, is it worth it. Boy, are they a lot of fun. Yeah, no, it it's great because you're just throwing out atrocious levels of firepower, massive amounts of attack craft. And again... It's a scenario, and it's going to be right in front of the objective. Like, you sit it right... Oh, oh no, you want a planetary assault? Walk past this. 
with your one hull point transports. Let me know how that <laughs> goes for you. Yeah, a stern look will destroy it. Yeah. Yeah, Blackstone Fortresses are what space stations and orbital docks want to be when they grow up. It's true. Uh, there's also the activated Blackstone Fortress, uh, which is either in Armada or the 2010 Compendium. It's, uh, it's 127 of the yeah. of the blue book. Both both uh, both profiles are in the same oh, book. Oh, look at me! Yeah. Not yeah, because while you were going over it, I'm over here like, where on earth is the activated fortress? Oh, wait a second. Oh well, there you go. It's even more ridiculous. Uh, at mm-hmm. 750 points, it's got speed. It goes places. I mean, a speed of 10 centimeters, so like not fast. Right? Let's not no. go crazy. Uh, uh, and unlike the normal one, it can go on orders besides reload ordnance. Which is a big deal, because while the normal one packs weapons, batteries, lances, and launch bays in abundance, like it's a, it's a powerful gun platform, uh, the activated one has 90 centimeter warp cannons yeah their firepower eight their arc all around and that's its only weapon but here's where it gets wild the warp cannons uh hit on a four like a lance but they ignore shields which is atrocious so (laughs) if you lock on with all eight pick some hapless cruiser out there 90 centimeters away and just roll it, that cruiser is probably gone. Yeah, the math is six whole points. Mm-hmm. That's the average. And, so an average... And while a activated Blackstone Fortress, a literal activated Blackstone Fortress, didn't exist in the Heresy, like Austin said, uh, it can be used as a stand-in for any sort of Dark Age installation, uh, Mechanicum, secret base with a giant weapon, something like that. Yeah, I, I don't recommend it, um, and it actually is in the Chaos Fleet list, so technically it's not a defense, so you can't like, spend your free money on it. Um, however, if you're looking for, you know, my Dark Mechanicum wants to be a pirate fleet, and because, you know, I'm not going to be able to make all the, the games I need to to play in a normal campaign as a normal faction, um, this would be a really cool pirate base for you to have just some weird Xenotech thing that the Mechanicum's been sitting on for a couple of centuries. Or, you know, the culmination of maybe a tree campaign, as opposed to the more traditional uh, for heresy map-based campaign, is, you know, hey, we're trying to fight a series of engagements that will culminate uh, in attacking this crazy space station with this crazy warp cannon. All sorts of stuff that goes into it. It's fun. Yep. Oh, but boy, for all of the Blackstone Fortresses' power, uh, if the orbital dock wants to be a space station, and the space station wants to be a black fortress when it grows up, a Blackstone Fortress wants to be a Ramillies-class star fort. Yeah. And this this is the this is the grand poobah, the end-all, be-all of planetary defenses. It's 875 points. It is the it's the battleship of space defenses, uh, but it's not just a like the space station bloop. It sits there. All right, the space station is one target. The Blackstone Fortress it sits there. The Blackstone Fortress is one target. 
a Ramalee's class starfort is so big that it is actually divided into four quadrants. And each of those quadrants has weapons profiles and hull points and shields, independent of the other three. Which is nuts. To completely destroy a Ramalee's class starfort, you have to do 48 hull points worth of damage. And to make that even harder, unlike all the other defenses we've talked about, it can use orders. Uh, it can reload ordnance and can lock on and brace for impact by section. Mm-hmm. Right? So normally, you know, you brace for impact because the hate is coming in. And if you're a carrier, you're just not reloading your ordnance. Or you're, you know, you're not reloading your torpedoes. It's a trade-off. For the Ramillies, you brace for impact and then just launch torpedoes or fighters from uh, some other section. It's fine. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, damage control is done individually. So if you inflict a critical on one quadrant, uh, that quadrant repairs its damage independent of anything else that's going on on the other three. As well as the, like Austin said, the orders, too. Yeah. Um, but what is, what is a quadrant of yeah. Ramillies? What is actually coming at you? Uh, so four shields, lot. five up armor, four turrets. Again, a quadrant. Uh, it then has strength 12, 60-centimeter weapons battery. Strength 5, 60-centimeter lances. Uh, and then four squadrons of fighters per quadrant. Uh, and the arc on four these bombers. is a little weird um, because it, it fires out of the quadrant, right? So if you, like a vehicle facing, right? Front, left, right, rear. Is that 90 degree arc, right? Yeah, 90 mm-hmm. degree arc from the quadrant. Uh, which is real rude. And then there's the Basilica batteries, so like the central station uh, is four weapons batteries with 45 centimeter range that are all around as well as strike nine torpedo salvo silos Yay. all around <laughs> so it's just unpleasant no uh, also yeah. unlike all the other things we've talked about uh something the size of a ramilies they don't just give commands to on those to anybody that asks for them uh, they're generally experienced personnel, um, either regular Navy guys that, you know, they get assigned here off a ship or the best of other station crews. So you roll for their leadership, just like a capital ship. And it has a single command reroll, uh, independent of anything your fleet has, which is fun. Uh, and you can put your Admiral on a Ramillies to use his leadership, uh, and then, if you do that, the fourth reroll just kind of goes into the commander's reroll pool. Uh, mm-hmm. So you can use it on something else if you want. Yep. You can dock your ships onto a Ramillies as well. Uh, if, you, um, if you've got a, a ship that's nearby and it's real damaged, um, a friendly ship can dock with it. So on each side of the quadrant, it has two docking piers. So you touch it. Uh, and you get to add four extra dice when rolling for damage control. And if you've somehow managed to 
screw the pooch and run out of ordnance somehow, uh, then you can restock by using reload ordnance twice. And then you just float away, ready to rock and roll again. Yeah. It's also fun. Um, so you halt your movement when you do this. So you count as defenses. So it's not something you want to do for kicks. Um, but when you do that, you can also burn retros for free. Right? So if you're coming into dock with a Ramillies, you just will stop. Which is a handy little trick um, that you can do some shenanigans with if you get uh, real sneaky about it. Uh, it also has its own critical hits table, which is fun. Yep. Uh, and most of these are very similar to what a, a normal ship has. Uh, the real difference is instead of port, starboard, weapons battery, or weapons damage, that sort of thing, it has specifics for your lances are damaged, your weapons batteries, your ordnance are out. Um, you can get reactor damage, which instead of screwing with your speed... Uh, it drops the shields and turrets by half, which is fun. Uh, and then, you know, you can do some really awkward things like the 11 and 12 result, uh, which are, you know, catastrophic for ships, just so the Ramillies. Uh, the 11 is the main Basilica gets hit, and all quadrants suffer D3 weapons damage, and the Basilica weapons are lost. And then you can also have a reactor leak which does D6 hits to all quadrants. Um, which can... And then you roll another critical damage and apply that to the squad, to the quadrant struck. So, reactor problem, every quadrant has takes D6 damage and suffers a critical hit. So if you get lucky, you can kind of cascade the damage on this, but like Steven said, you still have to do 48 whole point worth of damage to bring it down. Uh, and the yeah. shields are coming back. So and once you've, uh, just like a capital ship, and just like it has its own critical damage, the Ramillies, in the unlikely event that you somehow manage to do 48 whole points of damage to this thing before getting blown to your component atoms in return, once all four quadrants of the Ramillies are reduced to zero damage points, roll a d6 on its own special catastrophic damage. And on a 1 to 2, the whole thing just kind of breaks apart and is replaced with an asteroid field. Mm. On a 3, uh, the structural collapse, the area is filled with huge chunks of wreckage as the uh, fort comes apart. And that's another. Oh, sorry. It's a bit, 1 no, and it, 2. It, yeah, it's an asteroid field. 1 and 2 is, is just, it stays there, but it's line of sight blocking terrain. 3 it, it's treated it turns like an into an asteroid, asteroid field. field. Yeah, on 3 it's, it becomes an actual... 15 centimeter asteroid field. Yes. Which... On 4 to 5 uh, is kind of like a uh, plasma drive overload or a warp drive implosion. A hyperplasma meltdown. Uh, it goes critical and it explodes. Eight lance shots get resolved against every ship within 46 centimeters. All ordnance within that area is just removed. All table suffers all other ships, defenses, and ordnance markers on the table suffer the effects of a solar flare centered on the fort, uh, which is the one that puts a blast marker on everything mm -hmm. or uh, inflicts a hit if shields are down. So if, uh, if you know, your, your escorts are having a bad time when the Ramillies explodes, they're just gone. 
Yep, we won't have a bad and, time uh, anymore. Yeah, the last one is Warp Bubble Implosion. So the Ramillies is drawn into the warp by an instantaneous collapse of its warp bubble generator. You resolve four lance shots at every ship and ordnance marker within 46, and then you replace the Ramillies with a warp rift. All ordnance and ships on the table are then drawn 15 centimeters towards the rift instantly. And if they move into it, then they have to pass a navigation check to come back out or be lost to the warp. Yeah, it's a... I've never actually seen a Ramillies go up um, because they're so hard to kill. Uh, but if you get I've there... I've only ever seen a Ramillies on the table even once. I, I've seen it a couple of times. Um, couple, Two of my buddies had them in L.A. They're beautiful models. If you can get a hold of one, like they go for like 100 bucks on... On, uh, at least like eBay yeah, they or are they are um, very rare beasts and when you do see them up for grabs uh, people are people are at the at each other's throats for them. actually i take that back they're atrocious models you should never bid on them uh, yeah 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 and, ugly yeah, ugly yeah, the yeah. rules are bad the rules just, are bad just leave, yeah. leave that to us <laughs> yeah we will we will take them where they can be safely disposed of and destroyed so that they will never hurt anybody with their aesthetic displeasingness. Yeah. Oh, uh, there is one more fun thing about uh, the Ramleys that we forgot to mention. So, obviously, it's got all these quadrants that have a certain you know, firing arc and whatnots, but you can pivot it. You yes. can rotate it kind of one turn, which is, what, 90 degrees? Yeah, you can do a 90-degree mm-hmm. turn with it just in place. It's its speed is zero. It doesn't go anywhere. Um, but you can kind of spin it to present new and nastier uh, quadrants. You know, once the one facing the enemy has gotten a little beat up. So it, it really is kind of a carousel of terribleness uh, for the enemy. But mm-hmm. God, they're fun. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in campaign, though, it is entirely possible to really, really shit the bed and lose your Ramillies before it even gets to battle. Uh, because it has to be moved from system to system. And when you do that, you roll a d6. And on a 1, the fort is lost to the warp and must be struck from the roster. Yeah. Which isn't fun. (laughs) Um, But it is fun. So how you go about getting them in campaigns is sort of interesting. You can get... uh, You need to make an appeal. You need a 5-up. You have to have at least 11 renowned. Like they don't give this out to any fucking noob who asks for it, but there's another way to get it. Regardless of your, uh, renown, you can get one by surrendering control of a forge world or hive planet. So essentially you go to the mechanicum say, Hey, look at, look at this that I got Traja, uh, and they'll give you a Ramblies. And they gen- like Ramblies for campaigns generate points just like a pirate base does. You can try and find them and attack them. Uh, and you know, when you're trying to repair ships in between games and campaigns, Ramblies help with that as well. Uh, so they really are an interesting kind of. They'll turn into sort of a focal point of the campaign as your opponents try to hunt it down and destroy it. Because even though it's big and nasty and terrifying, uh, it's giving you a pretty good advantage outside of 
regular battles, which it's probably not showing up in a lot by your choice. But it'll be the defense yeah. and the target of many a uh, assault by the enemy. Yeah, and it bears noting as well, uh, the Ramelis class has in its original rules, so this isn't something we made up or added for heresy balance. Uh, you can only use it if your opponent agrees. Ramelies may only be used by prior agreement in competitive games because it's unlikely to be ambushing you in the middle of a fleet engagement. That's so <laughs> if you do have a Ramelies and you do want to use it, you got to get your uh, your buddy's permission. They are fun to play against. It's, it makes for a, a compelling battle. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they are powerful. Yeah, they are real nasty. Mm-hmm. You can also use them as a replacement for a planet in a planetary assault or an exterminatus mission. Which is kind of neat. Yeah, yeah, that's that's generally the way they get hunted down. Because that's what people in campaign want to do, right? You've, you know, made this appeal or given up a forge world or whatever, and you've got this Ramleys, and it's great, and it's beautiful, and it's yours. Your opponents will try to planetary assault it and capture it, and then it's theirs. And that's always real rude. Yeah. Something that would actually be kind of cool, come to think of it, um, would be kind of like uh, like in Twilight Imperium, there's Mechatol Rex in the center and everyone's trying to, to get to it. Mm-hmm. Would be kind of cool if you played a campaign where there was a unoccupied world in the center with a Ramelies orbiting it, and whoever got there first got the Ramelies. That would make life interesting. <laughs> yeah. Twilight yeah, so, Imperium BFG edition. Yeah. Yeah, so like there there's a lot of fun scenarios you can do with them. And there's there's been uh, a couple of scenarios put out on the interwebs if you go questing for it uh, for fun things you can do with Ramelies. And no doubt, you know, you're trying that Siege of Terra game, man. Sometimes there's a couple, right? Uh mm-hmm. Cypramundi, for example, uh, has between six and eight of them in in its uh, orbital ring for defenses. So you can have some, like, one is rough. You can get six or eight or twelve or whatever. It's ridiculous. Uh, they're also noted as being, uh, you know, research stations when the Mechanicus wants to just put something in the middle of, you know, that they don't want anybody else seeing. They just tow a Ramleys into deep space. Do it there. Uh, Inquisition, likewise. There's there's a bunch of fun stuff you can do with them. Uh, and true. the or- orcs have captured them on occasion, which is fun. Um, but yeah, yeah so that's, that's real bad time. That's it for defenses. You now know all about that. And I think yeah. next time. We're going to take a short break from our regularly scheduled talking about legions and what they're good for, um, and just talk talk the basics. Yep, we uh, we got a listener question asking for kind of a, a back to basics episode uh, for those of you who are getting back into the game for the first time, and you know who knows how many years. And there's a couple different rule sets out there. Well, there's one, but it's been FAQ'd, and then there's all sorts of homebrew stuff. So 
we thought, you know what, a Back to Basics episode is a pretty good idea. So yeah. we're uh, we're working on the best way to to present that. We might present it alongside a scenario, so you kind of have some context for some of the stuff that we're talking about. And um, but yeah, after that, we'll get back to Legions. But I think that's everything we've got for today. Yep, that's that's all I got. It's been fun. Indeed, indeed. Remember, space is wide, and good friends are too few. So until next time, good hunting. Thanks for listening to another podcast from the Remembrancers Retreat. If you enjoyed this episode, consider leaving a rating on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. You can also find our swag store at teespring.com forward slash stores forward slash RR30K podcast. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter at RR30K podcast. You can follow us on Instagram at Remembrancers underscore retreat. You can also visit our website, RR30K.com for podcast updates and the Battlefleet Heresy Compendium. You can also leave us a voicemail for us to play on a future podcast at 1929-437-3791. That's 1929-HERESY1. And you can also leave us an email at the Retreat at gmail.com. Thanks again.